You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Just yesterday, I was writing in my office and I took a peek out my window because I just heard a bunch of like, footsteps, like tennis shoes slapping the, the the concrete outside. And it was my son, Brayden, and he was doing sprints with his friend, the kid next door. And I was just like, I was assuming that his older brother was, you know, having him do it. And But then I came to find out that his older brother was like off doing something else. And Brayden and his friend just took it upon themselves to start training. And I was just like, whoa, whoa that really, it really blew my mind. And, but then I realized like, these are those seeds that are planted and he's just been around it. You know, we've been going to the track for years, but it's always like, Hey, Braden, you know, we're going and you know, he comes along. He's never on his own wanted to do anything like that. And it really is a big testament to the culture and to environment, but also uh, it's something that I, I, I'm starting to, to question and analyze a little bit more, which is so great because of our guest today is really going to speak to this. But he also asked me that evening, you know, he told me about what he was doing and he asked me, dad, how did you get so strong? And I was like, what are you talking about, bud? Like, you know, I just, you know, I, I lift weights, I eat healthy. And he was like, but how did you get muscles? And now he's like paying attention. He's wanting to be strong. Like he sees with his brother, or I guess what he, what he sees with me. And I was thinking about that balance of him striving to become his best self and having a, a, a culture of health and wellness in my family. And also him knowing that he's enough as well. And that he's seven years old, you know? And I'm just like, buddy, because he was just like, but I want to get stronger. I want to be strong like you. I was like, B, when I was seven, exact same frame. Like, you know, you're, you, you, your abs don't count yet, but I was built like you, you know, with the, you know, I was, I had, I looked like I was probably a little hungry, even though he eats all the time. And so just being able to have that balance of letting our kids know that they are amazing, that their bodies are wonderful instruments to express and have fun and to experience life. And we see this, the, the images on screen, you know, our superheroes and all this stuff. And we want to have appropriate responses to that and us tapping into our own personal health and well-being, if that makes sense. Because the environment can push us in a negative direction. And with our guest story today, you can see how that manifests, but also you can see at any point we can change the story and we can turn it around for something positive. All right, so I just wanted to share that with you. And also when my guests arrive here at the studio, I gave her a gift, all right? I gave her some Four Sigmatic coffee. I gave her some Lion's Mane coffee and her eyes lit up as though it was Christmas morning and not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse, all right? She was just so happy and pumped because she's a huge fan of Four Sigmatic as well. And a lot of people in the fitness and health space are because Four Sigmatic, number one, it's organic coffee. Number two, and most important, this isn't just coffee, all right? This isn't your granddaddy's coffee. It's infused with medicinal mushrooms. And I gave her the lion's mane formula. And I've shared this before, but I really want you to get this. The University of Malaya did a wonderful study and they, they're studying lion's mane mushroom because of its neuroprotective capabilities. They found that this is one of the few compounds in food, in nature, that is able to help to regenerate neurons, all right? 
There was a time in neuroscience when they thought when your brain reaches maturity in your 20s, that's pretty much it. Like the neurons that you're born with, that's what you die with and they just kind of die off in the process. But now we do know that there are certain parts of the brain that we can have neurogenesis and create new neurons. But some parts, it's a little bit more sketchy and also in relationship to food. What foods can actually support the process of building new brain cells? Lion's mane is one of those seemingly magical foods or herbs or medicinal mushrooms that can actually do that. And so this one is geared towards focus, productivity, brain health, and you get that in your cup of coffee, right? And so we like to blend it with a little bit of healthy fats, maybe a little bit of some flavored stevia if you want a little sweetness to it. I like cinnamon in my coffee sometimes. So either way, definitely check out Four Sigmatic. You're gonna love it so much. And just the way that it makes you feel without any of the weird crashes and addiction and just any of that stuff because the caffeine amount is less and also the mushroom really helps to balance out even the acidic nature of the coffee as well. And so it's just a wonderful product, dual extracted medicinal mushrooms, which you're just not gonna find very many places. And so that's foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. And you get 15% off everything they carry. All right, so pop over there, check them out, foursigmatic.com forward slash model. And now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled, Love Learning About Your Backstory by Aligned747. Very cool to learn about how Sean arrived to where he is now with this podcast. Congrats on all your successes. Your podcast is awesome. Such valuable content and love that you keep it real. Awesome. Thank you so much, Align747. I love that so much. Again, thank you for taking the time to leave that review. And listen, if you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. Let everybody know what you think about the podcast or whatever medium you're listening to the show on. And also, if you're in the studio with us hanging out, please leave a comment below the video. All right, after you're done watching, let everybody know what you thought about the episode. All right, I appreciate it so much. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Lori Harder, and she's a true thought leader who's impacted the lives of literally reaching millions of people from the fitness side to the personal development side. She's been featured on 10 magazine covers for fitness. And as you'll hear in her story today, she made a pivot from that domain into a greater level of just service and really helping to uplift people and to provide real, tangible, actionable strategies for wellness. And she helps people to lock in their transformations by teaching how to create lasting relationships that support their long-term health goals. She's also a successful entrepreneur running two multi-million dollar businesses. And she's also a coveted speaker, 10-time cover model, as mentioned. And what's so crazy, and one of the most interesting things I learned about her, she's a three-time fitness world champion. And she's also the creator of one of the top 100 podcasts, Earn Your Happy. And she's also the founder of the Bliss Project event with thousands of attendees. And she's the author of the best-selling book, A Tribe Called Bliss. She's been featured in Oxygen Magazine, Health and Fitness Magazine. She's been featured in NBC, Fox TV, uh, TLC Networks, Forbes, Fast Company. And now she's here on the Model Health Show. And I love this episode so much. So many great insights and an incredible story. So I'd like to welcome you into this conversation with Lori Harder. Let's start with your story. Like you mm. came from, were you from the Midwest? 
Yeah. Is I'm that right? Super small town, Upper Michigan, Marquette, Michigan. Okay, in the mitten is uh, what it's no, known as. No, the upper part, like that people don't even know about. Like I thought so, Michigan was the mitten. So So, yeah, but here's Upper. Okay. So I'm from up here. So it's like the the cuticle of the mitten. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like way up. So basically, we thought we were more a part of Canada than, you know, actually Michigan. Wow, <laughs> dual citizenship. I love that. <laughs> and so you uh, initially, I think that you were spurred on to kind of get into health and wellness in a in a seemingly like negative context early mm-hmm. on. So let's talk a little bit about that. Oh, I I love this conversation because I my whole life and just everything that I'm into now in my whole business model, everything is formed around the idea of your environment. Because yeah. growing up, I really only believed that I would go as far or whatever I was doing as what I was seeing. So in my family, I was raised in a more restrictive religion, which meant the reason that I share that is because I was only allowed to hang out with people inside of the religion. So even though I went to elementary school and middle school, I was homeschooled through high school, I didn't get to hang out with anyone from school. So that, you know, was, it was just people from the congregation. So whatever the mindset was there, along with whatever the mindset of what my family was and growing up, all I heard was, we have bad genetics. We have bad genetics. We have bad genetics. And so my whole family's really overweight. Um, my mom has, uh, four sisters. They're all, you know, at least a hundred pounds overweight. So, everyone around me reflected back to me that I would struggle with my weight. And that's what I had always been told, like, just wait, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get fat. Like that's literally, yeah, I was like, so I'm sitting here and you, you know, you're becoming uh, like a teenager or even, I remember being so highly aware of it at like eight years old because I got, I went to a pool party and it was the first time, like with a bunch of the kids from my congregation. And it was the first time that I got made fun of for being overweight. And I was looking at all the girls' bodies and I was like, why don't I look like them? Mm. And it was the first time I was so aware of my body. And it was also the first time that I completely disconnected myself from my body, which I don't think is a great thing either, because I was like, how do I love something that other people think is disgusting? So that was, it started this whole self-talk in my own head, but that's really where just the entire, (laughs) like just the cracking open of being on a health journey or being conscious or being aware of what was going on. Mm, wow. So pool party was, yep. the, it was not like, uh, what was that movie that was like a cool pool party? Was that- <laughs> <laughs> If it was cool, it was not like that movie. <laughs> was it the Sandlot? It wasn't like that, you know, but um, having that in, like you said, it's the environment, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but having that environment how on earth did you make this switch in your mind to focusing on changing your body or changing what the genetic cards you were dealt were supposed to be? Mm. Uh, To be so honest with you, the only reason that I started seeking about health in the beginning was because I didn't want to feel the excruciating pain of being made fun of. Like when you're a kid, all you want, well, and an adult, all you want is to fit in. And I think for me, just wanting acceptance and to be loved and to fit in, I was like, because I was being made fun of, I literally remember, and I I write this in my book, and I I actually wrote a whole TED Talk around this because it was such a pivotal moment of just being marked into my brain of I was on the diving board at that party, and all of my friends that I thought were my friends started chanting whale. And it was like this moment of 
thinking the people that you loved were just, you know, into an eight-year-old, like, that's pretty, like, you know, traumatic. It's yeah. And I jumped in the water, and underneath the water, I remember thinking, um, I will never feel this way again. Like, I will never let them, whatever that translated to me, I didn't know the translation yet. It was just yeah. like, I will never let these people do this again. And I remember saying under the water, like, just wait, just wait. So while, while at the time it was like, wait, I'm going to show you. And it was more of like a vengeful, just wait. It still got the ball rolling of like, what can I do to take control over what I think is this fate of being overweight and being made fun of and struggle because that's all I had seen was struggle with your weight, struggle with finances, struggle over not fitting in with religion, just a life of struggle. And while my life was great, I had a great loving family. It was great at home, but that was just what I had always heard and learned. And it was also those times when I learned, you know, as a teenager, when I started to implement trying to be healthy and reading fitness magazines and I would beg for them like from my mom whenever we would go anywhere, just anything that I could learn, um, I was starting to understand that my environment was not supportive of my new habits because I could try all day long to eat healthy. But then we'd go and we'd sit and watch a movie and we'd order a ton of pizza and there'd be so much ice cream and whatever it was all in the house that I would end up breaking down because I would just want to sit and hang and like be with your family and be right. with your friends. So as a teenager, I started to learn that in order for me to actually make changes, I had to leave my environment more frequently. And while this is so challenging for me to tell people because it was my family, I, right. I essentially had to break away from my family for long periods of time. But I was so miserable because not only was it, you know, because you want to be accepted or feel a certain way. It was because I didn't feel good. I, I was like having massive anxiety. I was having panic attacks. I was feeling depressed because we were eating so bad. We were eating so much sugar. We were eating, you know, we would have like three, four desserts at night after multiple plates of spaghetti. So it was just like m constant eating from, you know, five in the evening until 10 at night when you go to bed. That was like just constant snacking. It's what yeah. we did. It was a habit. So for me, it was like, how do I, how can I break that? The only way to break it was to get out of that environment. So I started going biking. I started going walking all night long. I started listening to different music. I would go walk and I would daydream. I essentially built a bubble that I lived in, but my reality did not yet reflect that. So I lived in this world where I could go and escape and go work out and go dream and go think. So I was becoming this other person right. while I was doing that. But I would go back to my environment and be like, wow, this is not supportive. So I'd stay out as late as I possibly could. I'd be walking. I'd be doing whatever I could. I'd go down to the water and I'd read. I would do anything to just kind of build up that other world that made me feel like I felt good, like I didn't have as much anxiety, like I was building myself up as a person and loved my family. This was a huge story. This was actually just like, to be honest, like my being a teenager felt like a constant internal battle for me because I loved my family and I loved, you know, all the people that I grew up with. But that lifestyle was causing so much pain that I knew that I had to make changes. And for me, that meant kind of isolating myself. Yeah. Wow. That's incredibly difficult, obviously. And you being focused on, for example, like the fitness magazines mm -hmm. and immersing yourself in a different world, even when you were there, like you can still do that in stages. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't, we don't have to completely remove ourselves, but most of the times that is the best 
yeah. um, possible solution. And I'm wondering how on earth you went from seeing these fitness magazines to mm. you being on the covers of them. Because I remember seeing you on a cover before I knew you, mm. before I knew who you were on, <laughs> I think you were like on 10 different covers mm -hmm. or something like that, like major magazines. And it's just like, you're one of those people. Like, how did, how did you get from there to that? Oh my God. The longest journey of my life. <laughs> um, so when I moved away, uh, I was 18 years old and I basically just spent about four years being a total psycho, um, <laughs> just trying to find myself, figure it out, um, you know, because I left that religion and like every everybody outside of that religion was off limits. And now all of a mm. sudden I'm in this world that's totally open yeah. and I don't know what I'm going to do for a living. I don't even, I, I was homeschooled through high school. Everything that I was raised to do was to just go and, you know, preach and go door to door and live this lifestyle and dedicate your life to uh, this religion, which was great, but it was no longer the vision that I held for myself. So when I was 18, it was like just, it, it was almost like this whole world opened up. Mm. I didn't even know what to do with all of it. So I tried all of it and mm. it was a disaster, um, but it was the best, most ugly, dark phase of my life because I understand people, I, I can understand so many different lifestyles now. So it's kind of like learning from extremes. I got to yeah. learn from two completely different extremes. So the one thing that really I feel like saved my life through all of that too was having fitness because I always fell back to it. Like when I would start to spiral out or when I would start to hang out with people that were drinking every single night or just getting into whatever, I was like, man, I I don't feel like myself. Like I need to get back in touch with that person that I know that I am, which the, time, the times that I would get in touch with that person were when I was walking, when I was reading, when I was running, when I was eating well. Like I would feel inspired. I would feel like I had energy. I would feel like I, even though I didn't couldn't see the whole path, I felt faithful in my path. So I was like, I need to get back to that person. So yeah. in my mid-20s, I started getting really um, like normal at the gym. I started learning more about health and nutrition. And I met my husband and he was into fitness. He was, he was kind of walking the same path I was, like wanted to be into fitness and yeah. wanted to be the person he knew he was, but we kind of just met and held each other more accountable to that. So that was really powerful for me to have finally someone who was like an accountability partner, somewhat like-minded in that arena. So from there, um, it wasn't until I, I was still deal, dealing with a lot of anxiety. So I was just working random jobs, like no joke. I was in so many different retail jobs at that time. Like I was a barista. I w worked at a hair salon. I did makeup for a while. And it wasn't until um, I got married and a couple of years later, we lost everything. We lost our house. We lost our cars. We were $300,000 in debt that I was like, I need to make some serious cash. Like, what should I do? So I ended up um, opening a small gym because it was the only thing that I yeah. even knew I was capable of doing. I went and got my personal uh, trainer certification. Um, first, I worked at an LA Fitness for six months for $6 per session. And I was like... $6, <laughs> $6 per $6. session? Yes. That and sounds I was... <laughs> very familiar. It was seven for me. Oh, 
Oh, you had like yeah. a, you were upgraded. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just had like in my schedule was full. So I was getting so much experience and I started to do something I didn't even realize I was doing. And that was to like start speaking my dreams into reality to mm. actual human beings. So yeah. I had started telling some of my clients, like, I really want my own studio. Um, and I would say stuff like that all the time. Like, you know, would you ever come with me when I start my own studio? Except I had no intentions of starting one. Then one day one of my clients came in and she said, um, she had just started a chiropractic studio and she was super young too. I was like 26. She was 28. And she's like, I have a lower level in my basement that if you want, you, we could come work, you could work out a trade for like three months, train me for free, get the space for free until you get on your feet and you can come and do that. I was like, sold, like mm. going to come, going to go do that. Went to Target, got some little bands, got the stuff that you put on your kids' floors, like those little squares, you know, for the padding or whatever, like playpen, like padding, yeah. basically. It was so ghetto. I had mirror backdoor mirrors like taped on the wall. It was exposed beams. It was wires. It was, um, you could see the, basically just, what is it that you, I can't even think of the stuff. Drywall, you, maybe. No, no, it wasn't even drywall. It was like, you could see the insulation. Mm. <laughs> and, um, so I started that studio just like that for a year. And everyone that came down, I was like, oh, come down. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of um, remodeling. <laughs> Zero money or intentions of remodeling this place whatsoever. And then after that year, what happened is I started a bigger gym. But at the same time, I was like, I need something to hold me accountable. I wanted yeah. to start competing in fitness because – I was like, where do these people start? Like, where does a Jillian Michael start? Or where does someone who's on these covers start? And they were all doing competitions. So I was like, I have no idea how to do that. Who could help me with that? I was watching MTV one day. They were doing total, like, some sort of reality show about, like, total body makeover for something and coaches, like, all these different people mm -hmm. who wanted to do different things. And there was a, there was a coach on there who taught people how to do fitness competitions. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't know anybody out here did this. So I booked a plane ticket, first time I'd ever been on a plane by myself, out to this woman. And she coached me how to do fitness competitions and entered a fitness competition probably three months after that. Um, wasn't placing whatsoever. And then I started doing fairly well, but it wasn't until three years later that I ended up winning those did not mean that the covers came. Uh, I thought if I started winning competitions that I would just, you know, yeah. automatically be noticed and get these covers. It could not be further from what actually happened. I had to pitch myself probably, I don't know, maybe 30 different times to get even flown to get a cover. Oh, I'm sorry, to be able to fly myself, <laughs> mm, right. to put oh, myself man. up to get a cover. Then when that actually happened, when I was booked for a cover, what happened yeah. is I shot the cover. They're like, your cover's coming out. And it never came out. Wow. So I was like, mm. maybe this is not wow. meant for me. Like maybe I'm yeah. not meant to get a cover. And then it's like those moments in I've had, I, I'm in one right now. Like I, the do or die moments where you decide, are you done? Like, are you going to throw your dream? Like, are you going to just throw in the towel on your dream? Or are you going to, is it going to morph? Is it going to change? Are you going to keep going? Are you going to keep this dream while you simultaneously start a new one? Like there's those decision moments that you just have to decide, does it just need a change? Does it need a pivot? So that was, 
that's when those covers all started coming. And when I say coming, I pitched myself for all of them. Nobody ever came to me for one of those 10. Every single one of those 10, I pitched a story around. I built like, I have a cookbook coming out. I built this audience over here. Oh, now I'm in network marketing and I'm about to speak on the stage of 15,000 people. What if we could align it with this and I could have the cover on the, like I painted pictures for people in order to see how I could add value for that magazine and the covers in order for them to even consider it. And I was like relentless. So you have to become the person who can add so much value that you have to be undeniable. Like you have to create someone who's undeniable. My mouth was just hanging open, <laughs> like like Puff Daddy, you know, like Sean, he always got his mouth open. Let's close your mouth. But just like, I've never heard parts of this story before. Mm. And it's just so mind blowing. And I just want to direct people back to the persistence factor, mm. you know, because again, we think that if we do this thing, then all of this stuff is going to happen. And and at no point did this stuff just land in your no. lap. Like you were incredibly persistent, even with winning the fitness, because I think you set a record. Was it mm-hmm. like three championships mm-hmm. in a year or something You're crazy? Good. Yeah, you, you but, know. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's just like, but you weren't winning for like three years mm-hmm. of like grinding and trying to figure out how does this thing work. Mm-hmm. And then once, even with the magazines, for example, and people see it's just like, they see you on these magazines, like on Oxygen, for example. And it's just like, oh, you know, she's one of those people. But you were persistent mm-hmm. and th- like 30 times de- being denied. How many of us give up after once? Yeah. You know, and so just huge props for that. But the part about the debt and like you guys losing everything, Mm. wow, like you pulling yourself up from that. And I guess that low hanging fruit for you was fitness, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that's one of the gifts that for people is just like, what's that low hanging fruit in your life? You know, the thing Mm. that you're connected to, that you are pretty good at, Mm -hmm. and that you would probably do for $6 a session. (laughs) You know, because it might be yeah. a bridge to where you want to go. Always, it always yeah. is for me. I even do that. I do that now in my life. Like I look at what is fun and what's working. And if I'm loving that, is there a way to monetize it? Because I really believe that we are meant to be abundantly compensated for what we're good at or what feels like we're in flow. But you, there is work around how to make that like flow state and it, that time that you're really enjoying Um, There's going to be work around monetizing it. But if you have to work anyway and everything is like becomes work because it just I don't care if you are living your ultimate dream like Oprah probably has to wake up every morning and reframe where she's at because her plate's probably really full every single day or she probably has a lot to deal with every single day. And I think that. You know, sometimes people can get to the dream or even before the dream and we sabotage it because we don't realize how hard it's going to be or what actually comes with it or that all of those little things along the way were actually meant to prepare you for all of the things you don't see that come with it. So I think just like reframing the low-hanging fruit, but knowing that the low-hanging fruit can also be the big thing. And I think we underestimate it all the time. Facts. Oh, man. So this leads me to, I had a conversation with J.P. Sears on the show a few months back, and he was talking about this phenomenon in comedy Mm. where uh, a lot of people who are, you know, comedians and they get into that space, a lot of times they're, it's like a compensation, you know, Mm. like they're wanting to fit in and using humor as that's their tool and also finding significance through that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're so hyper-focused on the external world, they forget about themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I see a similarity there with you with the fitness story. Mm -hmm. Like he said that at some point you have to shift 
that conversation to one that's more affirming, you know, and more about self-love and maybe giving comedy as a gift, you know, to bring joy to others, but also feeling joy yourself. Mm -hmm. And so for you, you had a negative push in the beginning, mm -hmm. but I would imagine that that didn't turn out well at some point you had to make a shift. Oh my God, this is, this is, uh, this is the best question ever <laughs> because it's so important. I think, I think that we continue to go back to the original motivators and it doesn't work because mm, yeah. motivations change constantly. Um, and motivations have their expiration date for sure because with fitness, that didn't even when I when I started competing, it was like I had a really tough love, hardcore, nasty coach in my head. It was like, oh, you want to go back to being made fun of, or you want people to do this, or this girl's gonna get this and you're not. Oh, you're gonna feel that pain again. Oh, and that motivated me for a long time. Like I was like, I was Try, I was running so hard from the pain that I just brought that coach in to remind me how painful it was. So pain was a huge motivator for me in the beginning. But then all of a sudden when I'm like, you know, getting the things that I thought that I wanted and it wasn't making me feel how I wanted to feel, then it was like that motivation wasn't necessarily working and I wasn't feeling the extreme joy that I thought I was going to be feeling from the accomplishment. So you're kind of just like in this weird pain state because mm, now yeah. the hope that you were holding that was going to come with a thing didn't necessarily fulfill you the way that you thought it was going to fulfill you because you don't have a great relationship with yourself yet. So I had to figure out how to even talk to myself different, how to start enjoying the present moment because if the accomplishments weren't all about that. And now I lived in this state of like, now I'm just coaching myself to get to an accomplishment that doesn't actually equal fulfillment. That that to me is one of the scariest places that if people don't learn how to reframe and get present, I think that's where I see, especially living in LA, I think that's where people can spiral out. Like you can have all these dreams and then you get there and you don't like if you don't enjoy every day or make every day fulfilling or make yourself happy every day or, or make sure you have an, a life and environment that you enjoy. It's like if the accomplishments don't bring the thing, then how, when am I ever going to be happy? Yeah. So for me, that's, it was like a huge realization of all of that at once because I had started winning the titles. I had started getting these covers. I was still using a bit of that coach in my head. And then it was like, okay, if this wasn't it, then what is it? And it was a really weird, empty kind of scary spot of, I don't know what's next. Does this mean I have to pivot? But my identity is all over here. This is the only place that I got those accolades that I never got before. This is the only place I feel like I'm getting attention in my life. Um, so I had to start really thinking like, what am I good at? I'm, I'm so much more than just this fitness person. What else am I good at in my life and in my relationships? I started nurturing my relationships more. I started, um, talking to myself totally differently. Even when I would work out, like you don't just work out for this accomplishment. Now you're working out because it helps with your anxiety. You're working out because when your head hits the pillow at night, you feel good. You feel accomplished. You're working out because you feel strong. You're working out because that's the time dedicated for you. You're working out because it's inspiring other people. Like I had to completely reframe everything that I was doing in my life because to be honest, I was doing it driving for goals yeah. in the beginning. So had to switch to like, oh my God, I'm just left alone with me now. Like right. that was an interesting place to be. Yeah. And it's not, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> and I don't yeah. think people talk about it when they're like, if the accomplishments and the attention weren't it, then what the hell is it? Right. Facts. Yeah.
I got to mention this because even within that story, you said a statement on your show, which I love your show. Oh, thank you. I was just telling you this. <laughs> it's like, it's so good. So good. But you said that words are energetic. Mm. You know, I know you dropped so many jewels on your show amidst <laughs> like the Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, impersonations and just crazy I was like, stuff. Oh God, what episodes <laughs> did you listen to? <laughs> um, but you said that words are energetic. Mm. So the, the the words that you're using with yourself, like they mm -hmm. have power, right? Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Oh my gosh! So I I've learned so much of this not only with like the self coaching, but also even in my marriage. It's in every relationship, like the things that we say to ourselves truly carry an energy. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if you, is it the, is it the water experiment? What is that book? Yeah. Masuri Moto. Yeah. That was Messages so powerful for me to watch, um, clips from, it's also, it was also in a documentary, um, what the bleep. What the bleep. Yeah. And I remember watching that and I don't know if you remember the part where she was like writing words on her body yeah. and I just started bawling because oh, I man. had this realization of like, those words would be the worst words ever. Like, and it, it's so, it, it's so visceral when you think of it that way. Like we're, words are real. Everything that we say, yeah, we speak, absolutely. we speak our dream into life. So whatever you're speaking, you're speaking it into your reality. So if the way that things come about are from, first of all, uh, an idea in your head, and then it starts coming because you're talking it out. And then, it, you know, if you're going to do a business plan, you start laying it out and putting it out and putting life to it and pictures and words and you're only going to speak life into whatever that thing is. And so we have to remember if that is how a true, like actual tangible idea comes about is through words, everything that you're speaking is becoming real. Like it just is. And people are, you're feeling it. People are feeling it. It's what you're bringing into your reality. So when we really start to think, what are the words that we're saying? Because those are the seeds that we're planting. So what you don't see is obviously it takes a while to harvest, but you, every time you speak, you're planting something, but it's up to you. What are you planting more of? So some people might be freaking out right now, like, oh my God, I've only been planting crap. I have to eat, you know, a shit crop next year. <laughs> like you can still go in and plant like amazing things right now. And you're going, that harvest will definitely come through, but it's so important to, realize how real it is. I think that we can kind of downplay it and be like, oh, no one can hear my thoughts or this works for mm -hmm. me or, you know, this is how I lost 10 pounds before. Or, this is how I got this business before was kind of like speaking to myself in this way or whatever. You're a different person now. And once you're once you're aware of what we're talking about, um, it's not going to work the same for you. Like you have to actually do the thing that works. There are laws. There are literally laws, and I know you know it. If there's something that you desire in your life, you have to follow the laws of how things come about, especially if you want to sustain it. Um, and you want to make sure that it's going to come about in a way that, again, is sustainable. So you have to use words of affirmation. You have to create an environment for yourself that is going to sustain it, that's going to nurture it. You have to uh, put people in that environment. I basically, when I'm saying environment, I pretty much just mean people for the most part. Um, you have to get all of those reinforcements in your life that are going to reflect back whatever it is that you want. And you have to build that. So simultaneously, while you're coaching yourself, while you're building yourself up, while you're building a dream, you need to consistently be making sure that you're also building a nurturing environment for yourself. And that includes what you're saying in your head. So it's really easy for me, even in the mornings, I'll wake up sometimes because I'm going to be so honest, like 
I don't know what it is about me, but the reason I do this work is because one of my default responses, no matter how much work I do, is in the morning to wake up and be like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I've just never been that person who is super excited and jumps out of bed. I yeah. have to get myself there. So in the Wait, morning. how are you in the morning? Can you say that again? Ugh, <laughs> that's how it feels. <laughs> like, I'm just, like, I have to Mel Robbins myself out of bed. I'm not yeah. kidding you. I did it yesterday. Yeah. I was like, five, four, three, two, one. Get up. <laughs> Move. I don't know why. And that's okay. I think that some people look at people who appear to be happy or successful and think they just wake up that way. And I I have an hour of work to do on myself before I'm like, oh, there I am. It's like mm. I go to bed and I get spiritual amnesia. It's like no matter how I go to bed or what I did the day before, I wake up and I'm like, who am I? <laughs> what is going on? Am I really a nice person? Because I don't feel like it right now. So it's like this priming that I have to go through. And a lot. It, most of it is with the words. So back to that, I implant right away like Chris wakes up and he's somehow happy in the morning. Like it's so <laughs> annoying. And he's yeah, like, yeah. I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, and more fit than I was yesterday. It's just our, been our mantra for probably the past like seven years. Mm. Um, and I hear it and it used to annoy me. And now, <laughs> now I say it because I'm yeah. like, I want these words the to be felt. Yep. It's the beginning of my environment for the day. So I say that I'm like, this is what I want. This is what I want to choose. These are the thoughts I want to think. And right away it's like, if I if I start feeling like and you know oh I feel like crap or I'm attaching myself to my body or an identity or whatever it is I'm like I don't want to feel that way yeah. I don't want to feel that way so what's the opposite of what would be the opposite thought that would get me feeling something different because it's so easy to spiral out like we want to attach to those thoughts so bad it's an addiction right it's like I get addicted to attaching to those thoughts and following them down the the horrible spiral. So I'm like, I want to spiral up. I want to spiral mm -hmm. up. Spiral up. I love mm -hmm. that. You know, what you said earlier about this, these are really laws. Like these are laws of how the universe operates truly, mm -hmm. you know, like there's a physical, there's thoughts have physical structure, Yep. you know, and, but we don't think about that because it's just like these random floating by mm -hmm. clouds in our minds, but there's electrical energy and, and currency that's, that's taking place. And just like the example you gave about like planting seeds, like when you're continuously coming back and fertilizing a negative thought, mm -hmm. like you're literally, you know, neurons that fire together, wire together is the general statement in mm -hmm. neuroscience, but you're just laying down more and more myelin. You're making that nerve pathway stronger as your go-to, you know, feeling, thought, emotion. And so paying attention to those things. And like, I'm so grateful you said this because we do have some power over this. Mm -hmm. We think that our thoughts are just like, they're, they're their own thing. Mm -hmm. We can't control them. We have no say. And if I'm going to think a negative thing or feel a certain way, we can change our state. Mm -hmm. Now, this doesn't take away from the fact that it is more difficult under certain circumstances. Uh, if you're in a certain physical state, you know, maybe you're injured, maybe you have something going mm -hmm. on with your chemistry, you know, or your hormones or something like that but there's still possibility to change the way you feel and to, to change the way you think. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things I want to ask you about. And I've got a really cool question for you. I'm going to ask you right after this quick break. So sit tight and we'll be right back. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I was obsessed with juice. All right, I'm talking about the juice boxes. Capri Suns? You remember when Capri Suns came out? The complication of getting that straw into that little plastic bag and shooting it all over your oneself as a child? Everybody had to experience it, but the Capri Sun was delicious. All right, it went from there to, you know, getting a little bit more fancy and having, quote, tropical punch. 
became a big fan of like Hawaiian punch and that was my thing. I wasn't a big fan of sodas. I was getting the juice, but here's the thing. It wasn't really juice, all right? If you would read the package, it would literally say 0% juice in the juice. It was trickery, trickery. And here's the thing, how can they create these flavors? Uh, there's this incredible technology. We have a gas chromatograph that you can synthesize and, and extract and find those flavors and create them artificially. So what's the point in going and getting a real strawberry if you can create that flavor and that smell? And so we really kind of found ourselves in a nutrition black hole because of that and providing these things to our, our kids and our society as if everything is normal, but it's not normal. We know now that those fake juices were hurting us, hurting our metabolism, uh, introducing a tremendous amount of sugar, very uh, processed sugar that can really cause massive issues, whether it's with our, our brain health, whether it's with our metabolism and our ability to burn fat. Matter of fact, the name Tropical Punch, where does it even come from? It's really like a punch to your pancreas, all right? It's a nice uppercut. And so today though, the game has changed, all right? Now we have this updated knowledge and we have the ability to create a juice that's really special and something that's available no matter where you go because it's been low temperature processed to retain all of these vital nutrients and these wonderful, many of them red superfoods and delivering not just a similar flavor sensation, you know, back in the day we had crystal light. Don't forget about crystal light. But this is something that's actually going to add to your health and not take away. All right, my kids are also huge fans of the red juice formula as well. And this is why. One of the hallmark ingredients here in the red juice formula is acai. You've heard of acai. It's hot. It's hot right now. 10 times more antioxidants than just about any fruit that you can name. It's an antioxidant powerhouse that also assists your body in producing its own endogenous uh, antioxidants, which are really the most powerful forms of these things that really help to keep us younger, longer. All right, we've got some cranberries in there. All right, cranberries are great for your digestion and for your bladder. Pomegranate, again, super hot right now. Pomegranate is full of uh, antioxidants as well and found to be beneficial and study after study for your cardiovascular health as well as strawberry we've got some blueberry in there too raspberry great source of vitamin c Gr vitamin c is great for your immune system for generating creating new tissues vitamin c is great for your skin and the list goes on and on because we've also got some other super herbs in this formula too cordyceps rhodiola ginseng what am i talking about here i'm talking about red juice from organifi all right, you need to get your hands on this red juice. It is amazing. It tastes good and also it is incredible for you. This is kicking the whole concept of these barrel juices and juice boxes that I used to get messed up on when I was a kid right down the stairs, all right? This is the real deal, all right? Again, low temperature process to actually retain the nutrients so you're actually getting what is promoted to be in the red juice itself. So pop over, check them out. It's Organifi.com forward slash model you get 20% off of the red juice right now. All right, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model for 20% off the red juice formula, the green juice, the gold, everything that they carry. All right, but I highly, highly recommend getting your hands on the red juice. I like to have it in the afternoon, a little pick me up to give a little bit of a jolt and supporting your energy, but coming from earth grown nutrients, real food. All right, so again, pop over, check them out, Organifi.com forward slash model for 20% off. And now back to the show.
All right, we are back and we're talking with the incredible Lori Harder. And I'm a big fan of your show. And I love the format of it. I think you've got like three different types of mm-hmm. episodes. You've got the interview. You've got like the the weekly nugget where you just like lay down some some just incredible gems, whether it's like personal development, um, uh, financial wellness, mm-hmm. whatever the case might be. And then you've got the Q and A's <laughs> with uh, is it Evan? Evans. Right? Mm-hmm. With Evans. Evans. This what morning. Cutest name ever. <laughs> Best name ever. And you guys just have a great time. It's, those are my favorite. Those are my favorite, probably. But during within the context, even when you guys are having a good time, you know, there might be a random poop joke. But then within <laughs> that, you find these gems and you talked about meaning, mm. right? And it just like really hit me that like humans really are, we're meaning making machines. Mm. And so all the stuff that you go through in your life, like you attach a meaning to it mm-hmm. or it's just kind of automated, but we're always yeah. creating the meaning and the meaning creates your experience. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that. And because I think for a lot of us, we don't know that we can actually change the meaning mm. of different situations that happen. Oh, okay. So I'm living this out right now because I just live it now. Um, I I love this idea because I think it's the most powerful idea that we can attach into to create a life that we enjoy or that we love or especially of purpose. Um, because there are going to be terrible things that happen in our lives no matter what. We cannot escape them. It's the human experience. It's literally why we're here is because we're going to experience all of it. And I think that we can live into staying in resistance and being really afraid of it, or we can understand that they're going to happen and accept it as much as possible um, and create a meaning from it. There's always, there's hundreds of different meanings we can create, but amongst those hundreds of different meetings, you're going to get probably two that are going to stand out for you. And you always have to ask, what is the most empowering powerful meaning that I can create from this thing that has happened that I can now turn into some form of purpose moving forward. Because the way to attach power to anything that's been really painful or horrible or torturous or whatever it is, is to see how you can help someone attach a meaning to it so that you could help somebody who is in it or is going through it or could potentially in the future go through it. And what that's going to do is help you move through, obviously, really powerfully. And you're you're not going to be stuck in that thought or that thing or that event anymore when you start to attach a powerful meaning to it. Um, I'm trying to think of the the quote. I think it's... um, Joseph Rohr, I think that is his name, Reverend Rohr. He says, if you don't learn how to transform your pain, you'll transfer it to the people that you love. Mm. And that to me is exactly that. It's about if you're feeling pain, how do you learn how to attach a meaning to why you have that pain and turn it into a purpose? Because the most successful, most amazing, most impactful people who are doing incredible things in the world majority of them that I've gotten the opportunity to speak to, and I know that you know this too from your podcast, is because they had something painful happen and they gave it a meaning to help other people. And that's how you get through some of the most painful things in life. So for me, it's always telling you, even as an entrepreneur right now, I've attached the meaning, um, you know, every single day you wake up and there's problems and those problems are for you because without problems as an entrepreneur, you don't have a job. So as an entrepreneur, I believe that we are problem solvers. Like you are just put on the planet to solve problems. So how can I take out 
the emotional attachment to the problem and just be grateful that there's a problem for me to solve and figure out and maybe make better and maybe monetize that or teach people how to make money off of it instead of getting attached to, oh my God, they don't like this or this customer was unhappy or this person is this or this program wasn't this. Or, I have to attach an empowering meaning or I'm going to wake up and be like, what shit's going to hit me in the face next? Like, yeah. I can't have that meaning of, like, this is hard and why is this happening to me? And, you know, why did we lose our money? Or why did I go through that? Or why was I raised this way? Or why didn't I have this opportunity? It's like, because my job in the world is to help the underdog or because my job in the world is to X, Y, and Z. Like, decide what that is and make a meaning out of it and just stick to that mantra in your head. So when things get hard, you're like, oh, this is for me. Mm, yeah, for me. Um, I know that for me, even hearing this early on, it wouldn't have really clicked. Mm. And I know for a lot of people as well, it's just like, so you're just going to make up a meaning. Mm. We do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Every single thing in our lives, we make up the meaning. And we have a socially accepted meaning that we attach to things as well that we do unconsciously. Mm -hmm. So all of it's made up in reality. And I, when you were uh, sharing that, I was thinking like, what is something negative, right? That would be on the surface that I attached a different meaning to and turn it into something positive. And for me, it was my grandmother passing mm. away. And I shared this on the show, you know, it was an episode that I did on natural treatments for depression. Mm. And this was the only show I had to record twice because the first time I, I recorded the show, I cried so hard. Mm. I was bawling. Like it was just, it was a total mess. And yeah. then I tried to finish the episode in like a cry voice, yeah. you know, just, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it was so many good uh. nuggets, but I re-recorded the episode. This was a couple years ago because she was like everything to me. Mm -hmm. You know, she gave me that template of unconditional love, of significance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was just, even through my downtime, she was always like checking on me, you know, even mm -hmm. though it was like annoying because you're like my grandma. <laughs> but, um, but of course, like, I'm sure she had her flaws, but to me, she was perfect, mm -hmm. you know. And my grandfather passed away and they were an entity. That's mm -hmm. another great gift that they gave me. I saw what a relationship could be. It's the only example in my life yeah. of a relationship of happiness and that actually worked. So I had a template. Right. Versus the people in my environment who didn't have that thing, who are not with the person they started out with or mm -hmm. wanted to be with or whatever. And so when he passed away, she had a really, really hard time. And she lived out in, the, in what we call the country, <laughs> you know, by herself, cabin, dirt road, you know, just kind of. And of course, she had tons of grandkids, everybody come through. But she had a like she her identity was attached to him. Mm. And she stayed around just long enough to see me get married. And then she 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 actually took her own life. Mm. And for other people in my family, like they took it personally, you know, like my uncle Leroy, which I love. Um, but he was just like, she did this to us, you know, mm. just like she left us. She shouldn't, you know. And for me, of course, there's some negative feelings from it. But it was more so like, wow, she really loved him, mm. you mm -hmm. know, and... I want to love like that. I yeah. want to love my wife so much that I couldn't live without her, you know? Yeah. And also, um, it really made me have this huge revelation about the people in my life now. Like, there's so many questions I want to ask her, mm -hmm. you know, that I would ask her now. Like, so now I ask the questions and I'm just <laughs> yes. like interviewing everybody, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and I think it made me better at what I do. Mm. And so, like, there's so many gifts. I changed the meaning because I could have just been lost with mm -hmm. it, you know, and depressed, but we all have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so one of the crazy situations um, for you that took place that I was listening to on one of your interviews 
was you got snatched up. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is when you first left your mm-hmm. family's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a traumatic experience to say the least as well. Mm-hmm. Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, when I say mm-hmm. snatched up, you actually mm-hmm. got kidnapped. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I was 18. So it's now, you know... It's crazy because I can completely talk about it almost with no emotional attachment because it's been so many years and I've done so much work around it. But um, yeah, literally making meaning of that one took me a while um, because I didn't have the tools at all to... So as you were talking, like, you know, people in the beginning phases may have no idea how to make meaning. Like I went through every emotional phase of like, what did that even mean and why was my life spared? Like... I, and I think that's what started going into that. It, just to rewind a little bit, I was 18 years old, went on a trip to um, Cancun. My girlfriends and I went to a club, dr- did what you do at a club, get super, super drunk, um, waited in line for the bath. I, I had to go to the bathroom, waited in line forever. You guys know spring break, it's like an hour wait. Came back, they were both gone. And we had gone with a group of guys from our hotel that we had just met and I was worried about one girl in particular because I didn't want her to get taken advantage of. And I knew that she had like passed out in the booth. So I needed to get home as quick as possible. So they were like, don't take cabs around here. I didn't understand why. I thought Mm -hmm. a cab was a safer bet. I didn't even think of it to like take the bus, but I needed the fastest way back to my hotel. So I took a cab and I essentially ended up getting um, kidnapped for like eight hours with him and physically fought and ended up talking my way out of it, um, which was insane. This was truly one of the, this was the second time in my life. First time was like a near drowning experience, but second time that I was like, there is a God, there is a greater energy and it is so present in moments like that. Um, I just had a massive download in the middle of it, uh, meaning it was like, I didn't know what was going to happen in the beginning and I was physically fighting for my life, did not know how I was going to get out of it. And all of a sudden in the middle of it, it's like this extreme calm Mm. came over so clearly. It was like I could hear everything. I could see it. it, It's almost like in the movies when like time slows down. That's literally what it felt like. And I just felt a voice. I couldn't even tell you what it sounds like, but it was like, you're going to be fine. Like you're going to make it out of this. And I looked around in his car and he had all of these uh, like religious like paraphernalia, Mm. like crosses and Mm -hmm. Jesus and all these things. And I'm like, I'm a religious background. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start talking about this. So I just started talking all about, you know, religion, God, family, whatever that is. And something right away came out of my mouth. I'm like, if you bring me back, like you'll be forgiven. Like it does, none of this matters. Like Mm. none of anything that you've done, I didn't. Honestly, you have those moments where you're like, I don't know where this is coming from. I know you've spoken on stages or you speak through your podcast once in a while. If you just open up, it's like it just comes through. So I ended up after hours of us fighting, like, like just you got, talking. Like, you're like bleeding. At the oh, yeah. yeah. Th- this was like after four hours of physically fighting and I ended up convincing him to take me back. Um, wow. And he laid my head down in his lap and had a knife on my neck while we drove back to the hotel Um, And I just basically like, don't look back, don't look at anything, like don't report this, don't whatever. Well, I got into the hotel and I immediately obviously reported I was bleeding everywhere. Like some of my teeth were knocked out and like it was just, and coming back, this is a normal thing that happens. Like I did not know that. they. So then I talked to the cops, they're like, you're really lucky that you're alive and this happens a lot. So um, 
for me, that experience making meaning out of it, the only thing that I could go back to for a long time, because let me tell you, I had some serious issues with trust, with trusting men, uh, with so many different things. Like, I I started to just like detach from life. I remember I actually just went into like a really self-sabotaging place for a little while where I just drank and didn't care about anything that happened. Like I was just really like not caring, did not care about my relationships, like didn't, it was a very detached, like numbing place for a while. Um, And then I think the meaning that started to be made from it is when I started to just be like, why did, why, why am I still here? Mm, You're right. Um, so I had to start going, my life was spared. I better make something of it. And I remember just like praying and being like, I will, like, I'll do something with my life. Like, because of this, I didn't know what still took me a few years. I think what happens for people is they can make those promises in something and they think they're immediately supposed to do something. Then they get mad at themselves. You'll be just fine. Took me like three years to really clean up my life and finally start doing things with my life after that, maybe four. But um, yeah, that's it, it. It took a while to make meaning, but I'll tell you that like I still use that as a powerful reason. That sometimes when I'm in a really tough spot, I'll be like, "Oh, that happened. Still here. Mm. Got to keep moving." Yeah. Oh man, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And this is just for everybody, you know, whatever hardship you've been through, you're still here. Yeah. Like we don't really get it. Like everything that's come your way, you've made it through. Like mm-hmm. you are that strong. And when I heard the story, which I just heard new dimensions of it, but it literally sounds like a movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's that rare movie where the person does like you literally talk like you was like in a, in a negotiation situation mm-hmm. you know which you could have been the FBI for real like <laughs> that could have been your career path but you made it through that situation and eventually attaching that meaning of because it, and that's another thing like you don't have to choose the proper meaning right now you know mm-hmm. the one that's serving you um, but there is going to come a point when you for you to heal mm-hmm. and I think this is another thing that you talk about as well is that uh, pain Mm-hmm. is a really good teacher, actually. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because again, like when people see you and the place that you're at now, they think that, you know, it's maybe easy street, but you still go through these painful situations. Mm. So why is pain a good t- teacher or like valuable in our lives? Mm. I think pain shows you what you're really attached to. Um, it can show you some really unhealthy things you're attached to. I think pain can be a huge motivator. I think pain is such a beautiful um, teacher of acceptance. Um, you know, I, I just even, I, I think back to just what you just shared about about your grandma, like pain is such a teacher of like accepting what is. And I we have so little control over a lot of the things in our life. And I think when we are in resistance of pain, I think there are a lot of people, including myself, who have lived, who live and only live from a place of trying to resist pain. And pain that doesn't even exist yet, Mm -hmm. but technically it does exist, right? Because we're like bringing it into our thoughts. So it's fully there and it exists before the actual real pain exists. So for me, I'm always questioning pain like, is this a real pain? Am I creating this pain? Why am I why am I in such resistance of this pain? Like what am I actually afraid of? And then something that I do with pain is I I literally sit with it and I play out worst case scenarios. So whether it's a business decision that I want to make or right now I'm thinking of taking well I'm taking a huge leap and creating something new. 
um, and creating a new company. And I'm, I was in serious resistance of the pain around the possible failure or the possible money I could lose or other people's money that I could lose or not knowing or not being smart enough. And this pain world that I had created in my head that didn't even exist yet was already stopping me. Mm. And I had to really be like, wow, I'm in resistance over pain of what people will think about something that doesn't even exist. So I played out to worst case scenario, like, can I learn to accept me even if that happens? Like, am I still valuable? Am I still lovable? Do I still offer value? Am I still, you know, who am I if I strip that all away or if that worst case scenario or if that pain comes, like, am I going to be able to make it through it? Um, and do I have the environment? This is huge for me. Do I have the environment that will support me when and if this comes in? That's been one of the biggest things around pain like that I can tell you is like support yourself around the thing you're most afraid of because if if there's something that I'm moving into, whether it's like maybe I just got asked to do some huge speaking gig in front of an audience I normally never speak in front of and I don't feel smart enough and I don't feel like my message is valid or whatever that looks like, I always say, okay, well, I'm saying yes to this opportunity because, of course, it's like room for expansion, um, but also how, what do I need right now to feel safe? That's what I always ask myself. What do I need right now to feel safe? And what do I need to feel supported? So for me, that usually comes in the form of, okay, well, I need to talk to some friends. Okay, well, I need to make sure that I feel prepared or I help, you know, maybe I hire a coach to help me feel this way or, or to help get me prepped or whatever that is. Because it, or like, as soon as I'm done off that stage, I'm setting up a call with so-and-so or this person, it, because if it went great, I want to celebrate with them. If it went terrible, I want to cry and have them help me with my comeback rate because it's all about how fast can you come back from yeah. the things that bring you pain as well. So I'm always trying to play off of or, or look at how I can support myself around any sort of pain or made up pain or like, I don't know. I just, I, it's nice to know that you could handle it when it comes. So you have to actually go there and know that you have the ways to set yourself up to be able to handle it. Mm. You could insert fear into that pain. All that. You know, it's, and it's a lot of it is just self manufactured, you mm -hmm. know, because that's what's so crazy and amazing, but also like it could be debilitating about the human mind is that, especially today, our survival needs are largely met, especially if you're listening to this right now, mm -hmm. you're probably doing okay. Like mm -hmm. you've got your basic survival needs are met. And so that leaves a lot of time for expan expansive thinking. And we have a tendency because of the way that we're wired up is like there, famine's coming, mm -hmm. you know? And so even though it might not be in the form of food, it might be in the form of, you know, uh, relationship being kicked out of the tribe or something mm -hmm. like that. And so we have this time to really dream up how bad things can be. Mm -hmm. And you've got to, for the most of us, you've got to consciously start to change that message and think about how good things can be, mm -hmm. you know, and we all have that potential and that option. And so speaking of tribe, mm -hmm. your book is called A Tribe Called Bliss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think it's such an important word today which is so crazy because it's something we attribute to like our ancestors mm -hmm. is like having a tribe. So why why are you focusing so much? You've said it, environment, you mean people. Mm -hmm. Why is that such a big focus for you and what you share with your community? Because without people, nothing, I feel nothing is good until shared, number one. That's kind of a theory mm. that I live by. Like if you were alone and you reached your dreams, you'd be like, yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 
I've never gotten anywhere without people. The ideas of other people, the support of other people, the love of other people, or the coaching of other people. I can tell you any big leap I've taken in my life is because I said, who's done this before or who's living this way and who can I learn from and who can I model from? It's what your whole show is based on, right? Like how can we model who has done something that we want to do? And I mean, going back to the beginning of the podcast, just when I shared my story, like I fully learned that the people I was around are either going to reflect what I want to see or reinforce, you know, an an old habit that I don't want in my life. So oftentimes we have to put ourselves around people that we don't yet feel we can offer value to or that we feel that Mm. we are equipped to be in the rooms around. And I think that's where a lot of us stop ourselves um, is because we're afraid to be in those rooms or afraid to put ourselves in those situations or we don't feel worthy yet or whatever that looks like. Like you're not going to feel that way when you are figuring out who your next environment is or who your next tribe is. And and I want to tell people whether you're in the beginning phases or whether you look at someone right now who has, you know, a successful business and you think they're doing everything they want to do, life pivots. So when their life pivots, like I'm definitely pivoting into something new, which means I'm actually creating a whole new tribe of people around me because the ones I have right now aren't going to help me get to where I want to go to the full extent that I need them to. They can give me support, but they've never been to the arenas that I want to go step in now. So Mm. I'm in a whole new ball game of like square one of asking questions that I'm like, am I really asking these totally basic questions to these people? And yes, you have to literally put yourself in situations um, with people who know way more than you that you don't feel prepared for that you're going to feel like exactly how I feel right now and saying, I feel like these people are thinking, what the hell is this girl doing in this area? Like, why is she pivoting into this now? And I've done this already. So I know this comes with it. So I want to say that to you guys. Like, I've done this once already. Like, how did this girl who is going door to door talking about the Bible now get into fitness? And now this fitness girl is now talking about personal development. Like totally different worlds of things. And yes, people are going to think you're crazy. Um, But as long as you put yourself in those environments and you stay in them and you keep going back and you keep asking all the questions, um, eventually that environment is going to give you all of the things that you need. So I think it's so important because I, I... I always say um, tribe will take you from transition to transcending because there's that there's that middle ground that is so like sensitive from where you are right now to where you want to go. There's like this desolate like it's like the valley of death I've heard it called before where you have to pull your dream from like idea through the valley of death to reality. Like will it survive? And you need to make sure you have all of the people and the equipment through that area or it's going to die. I love that so much. The valley <laughs> of death. Oh my gosh. Isn't that what it feels like though when you have an idea and you're like, oh dang, it's now I got to pull this through like yeah. the desert. <laughs> And it's just like, you got to be ready for that, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think the thing is like, we all are, we have the capability within us, Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes the stints in the desert are, you know, nicer than others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, maybe you're into cactuses. I don't know. Find a nice aloe plant here and there. Right. right? You know, like (laughs) there's always, and each, each time that we stretch ourselves, like we always come out the other side with more experience, Mm -hmm. with more insight. It's a real gift. And I love that you shared that about, um, you know, leveling up. If you're wanting to level up, you've got to level up the people mm-hmm. as well, you know, because I totally agree. And I've said this many times on the show, I think this is the number one factor on our health, on our finances, 
on our happiness, our mm -hmm. success overall in life is our relationships. I would have totally. not thought that, you know, especially mm -hmm. being somebody who, you know, I kind of grew up just, you know, being a little bit more isolated to myself, mm -hmm. you know, and like I even had the idea early on, like, I'm going to change the world. Mm. No, I'm absolutely not <laughs> going to change the world. Mm. I'm going to work with other people to change the world. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. Yep. You know, you can't do anything with your little little life. Mm -hmm. Even though we are infinitely powerful, we're also infinitely, um, in a sense, minuscule, mm -hmm. you know, in the grand, like if you zoom out and look at earth from, you know, another perspective, like how big are your problems mm -hmm. and your talents, you know? But then if you zoom in, even in this interaction with us, just one person, you could totally transform their life, mm -hmm. you know? So it's just being able to shift your perspective and know like you absolutely have value but you need to collab that value with oh, other man. people. So I heard the, the one, uh, I think it's Carolyn Miss who talks about, um, you know, because there's this whole idea of like, you're already whole. You don't need other people to be whole, which I believe part of that is true. But she talks about how like you're whole, but you have all, let, let's just say like in your heart, you have all of these different like keyholes, right? Mm. You need other people to unlock them. So it's whole mm. and it's in you, but in order to unlock these ideas, like you need other people in your life to unlock them. Like I thought that was such a beautiful way to look at it because how many times have you come across or had a conversation that you're like, that was there, but it would have never been unlocked without mm. you saying it that way or showing me this or teaching me this or that. So it's a beautiful way to feel complete, but also know we so desperately need people or you'll never unlock your full potential. Oh my gosh. Sometimes I think in pictures mm -hmm. and I just saw like the keys are like super long. Yeah. Right. And so like you can't do it yourself. Like somebody mm -hmm. else has to do Ooh, it. Oh, that's for you, so good. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I just can picture that. It's like <laughs> I got to do the same thing for yeah. you, you know, or wow. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. So one of the things that obviously you being in the fitness space initially and coming to that place of like you were es essentially. I, these are strong words, but like hating yourself into being fit. Totally, you know? totally. Mm -hmm. And with making that pivot to appreciating yourself and loving yourself and knowing that you have value, mm -hmm. what would you say to people listening who don't feel comfortable in their own skin, who are having that conversation with themselves and trying to, you know, um, aggressively push themselves into, into fitness? Mm. Something that I say to myself still if I feel that coming is that's not working. Like I need just like a quick pattern interrupt before I can even replace the next mantra or the next thoughts. Like I have to be so honest with myself and be like, that's not sustainable and it's not working. So why do I keep going back to that? Um, so that's the first thing that I would say is just the realization that it's not sustainable to hate yourself thin or to hate yourself into a goal or to hate yourself into staying in any relationship or a business or a job or whatever that looks like, like not sustainable for you. There's another way. So there's always another way as well. And I think the other way we don't take it because it doesn't feel like it necessarily works right away. So you have to be patient. So there's another way. Um, and I always think what would be the most 
loving thing I could do for myself right now uh, that would make me just feel better. Because a lot of times I can't jump from, so when I was really replacing it in the beginning, it's like I couldn't jump from doing my old style of coaching and hating myself, you know, to go work, make myself go work out to like, I love myself. It just, there there's too big of a gap there. So for me, it was like, what is something I could do to make myself feel better and like actually make myself feel better? Not like, oh, I could, you know, go drink a bottle of wine. That would make me feel better right now. <laughs> like, yeah, but in 10 minutes, you're going to be in the same spot again, but worse. So I'd be like, I, what's the last thing I probably want to do? Go for a walk. All right. What's the last thing I probably want to do? Okay. Go remove myself from this environment or go call a friend right now. Cause I feel like internalizing this and being alone and I don't want to hear what other people have to say. So I'm like, go do the thing that you don't want to do right now, or go take that walk or go put on that podcast. Like I, I have to, I even speak to, I still speak to myself out loud because I need to interrupt whatever is going on inside of me. So sometimes I'm like, I'll even be like, that's not working. I'm not hitting myself right now. I'm literally just being like, that's not working. I'm yeah. just like clapping my hands together because I need to, st I need to stop because otherwise you go down like the craziness that yeah. you're addicted to. And you have to know that, you know, sitting here with you, I know, you know, this works. So sometimes you just need to hear from other people. Like it doesn't feel like it's going to work, but eventually if this becomes your habit, it will work and your comeback rate will be so much faster and you'll start speaking nice to yourself and you'll start wanting to make those better decisions and your environment will, you'll start doing things for yourself that all of a sudden you're not more likely to go into the sabotaging things or you'll have your day filled with things that you enjoy and people you enjoy. And it all starts with that one moment of like, this is not working. So what could work? I love that. Oh my gosh. Comeback rate. Yeah. That's like one of the biggest like pullaways for me today, mm. like your comeback rate. And the same thing in the context of your relationship with other people too. You know, there's a comeback rate mm -hmm. uh, because of course <laughs> you're going to have some, some issues come up in relationships. And that's yes. another thing too, is like you said this earlier that we have this uh, delusion of grandeur, which whenever I say that, I think about the Charlie Murphy um, on Dave Chappelle when he's, uh, what was, which was it? The, cause he had the Prince story. It was Rick James. Mm. And, <laughs> you know, he says something about delusions of grandeur or something, but we have these delusions of grandeur that at some point we're going to achieve this happiness and that's going to be our life. We're just going to coast it mm. out. Right. And we even have these ideas sent to us from people who are elevated, you know, according to our thought process mm -hmm. spiritually, right. This Nirvana, mm -hmm. right. I was watching the Ninja Turtles movie with my son mm -hmm. this week, the part two okay, with Bebop and Rocksteady, just shout out to <laughs> them doing the cartoon, right? Um, but the master splinter, who's mm -hmm. a, their leader, he was so close. He'd been meditating for 23 hours and like 50 seconds. He just had 10 <laughs> more seconds yep. to reach Nirvana. And then his kids came running in <laughs> and like messed up his whole vibe, you know, but that's what that's what that mastery really is mm. and nirvana is, is being able to recover and have that comeback rate mm -hmm. when stuff doesn't go your way mm -hmm. and just taking that authority on managing your happiness. Mm. So earlier you mentioned that, you know, you're not waking up in the morning, like you're like, can you do it again? How are you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so as you said, it takes you like an hour just to be like, oh, there you are. Mm -hmm. So what does that hour look like? Like what does mm -hmm. your morning routine mm -hmm. look like? Um, uh, it's 
pretty much the same every day. So <laughs> it is uh, wake up, say my mantra, um, go downstairs. Chris is being really happy. I'm being really quiet. Um, <laughs> we will put on one of our favorite things is like pick a station. What station do you want to hear today? So we'll put on some music. So whether it's like, um, you know, maybe it's something slow or meditation, just something that's just on, bring in some energy that feels positive. Um, and then we read. So we have a thing where it's like pages before swipes, basically the idea of mm. like creation oh. before consumption. I'm taking notes. Um, <laughs> and this morning we like, we have to remind each other too, cause Chris picked up his phone and, and I was like pages before swipes. He goes, I'm reading an article. So <laughs> he's like, I am reading. I, but- I, I have to do the same thing. Cause my <laughs> wife will be like, what are you doing on your phone? I'm, I'm reading, I'm research. The, he like shows me, he'll flip the phone yeah, and show me. I'm like, yeah. okay, fine. Um, <laughs> but that's how important it is. I'm like, whose ideas are you putting in your head right now? Cause man, like social can be a really crazy place. So you have to choose what, like, are you thinking your thoughts? Are you, mm. or are you thinking someone else's yeah. thoughts right now? Um, so we do that. We read for a little bit and I'm talking, this is pretty fast. Like some mornings we get to read longer, but we usually have about an hour before we head off to a workout. Um, so I'll read for 10, 15 minutes. Like sometimes I'm just quiet with my coffee for a bit. Then I'll read for 10, 15 minutes. Then I meditate for maybe five to 10. Um, and then we go to a workout. That's my morning every morning. And I feel so different if I miss one of those. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I miss one or three of those every single week. Yeah. So it, you're going to be okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. As long as you're pretty consistent, like you're going to be okay. And that's going right back into comeback rate. I used to beat myself up for it. And it's like when I would beat myself up, I'd miss it again. It was so, it's almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. So now it, it doesn't matter if I miss it. I'm just like, oh, maybe I'll do it later or I'll do it again tomorrow. So I'm like, oh, I remember that I felt better yesterday. So these are things I'm always trying to bring in just, oh, I remember that it felt better. It's funny because I, I want to do this video right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on it right now, actually, as we speak, um, like the 51st States video where you basically, um, have you seen 51st States? Adam Sandler. Yeah. So she has amnesia. She doesn't know who she is. So he yeah. makes her the VHS tape. Like every morning she has to watch what the, who the hell she is and like, what is her life and who are her children and what is she actually like? Yeah. So I was like, I want to make a video where it's like the tape where I'm like, who am I? What do I like? What mm. makes me happy? Like, cause that's truly how I wake up every day. I'm like, where's the VHS? Like, cause <laughs> I need to remember who I am. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. So um, awesome. Was it Drew Barrymore too, right? Yes. It's, yeah. You got to watch it again. It's like yeah, so good. Yeah, I haven't good. watched it in years. <laughs> I, w- I used to just like Adam Sandler movies. I would watch just back to back over and over He's again. Great. <laughs> you know, but then it was a couple of questionable ones more recently. And then, you know. You I, know, you got to, but you have to do so many movies to, you know, I just, whatever. There were some bad ones. <laughs> and that, what's so cool though, it's like I watched a movie he made called The Cobbler which I'm pretty sure 99.9% of people have not watched it is listening to this right now. I started watching it and it just wasn't. Because you, you, you're thinking like it's going to be like Sabadoo, Tali. Yeah. But it's <laughs> more like, you know, it's very serious yeah. and like he kills a man in it. You know, I think he kills Method Man or something. But And he's like a cobbler. You can't and like, watch Method Man die. So especially <laughs> right. from Adam Sandler. <laughs> no. Right. It doesn't work. To no, get, not going to watch that show. You must have wrote that because <laughs> that's not going to happen. But yeah, so I like... And then I realized later, like, man, he's so talented. Mm -hmm. And the thing about him is that why he's like, he is very, very, very successful Mm -hmm. is because he's pushed the envelope. He's taking chances. Mm -hmm. He's taking risk. 
He's done some movies that people would literally look at and be like, this is the dumbest thing any human has ever conceived of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hashtag little Nikki. All right. <laughs> but then there's like, if you watch it with different, like a different point of view, you're like, mm-hmm. I see what you're doing. Like, this is, this is genius. This is, or this is hilarious or, mm-hmm. you know, insightful, whatever. And so that's one of the things that I love about that. And so I will go back and watch mm-hmm. 51st Dates. <laughs> like, like re- seriously, I'm going to watch it. Mm. Um, but I love the fact that you brought up with our morning routines. You know, this my friend Eric Thomas, who's been on the show a few times, mm-hmm. said that the success is in the routine. Mm. But also he said later to not let your routine imprison you. Yes. You know, and be able to flow and to adjust. You know, you and I travel quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so things are not always going to be perfect, but... If it's something that's bringing you value, you can always refer back to it. Oh my God. I'm like, I don't know how much time we have, but that's a whole different podcast. But I truly like what, what taught me so much about how you're, you're, the last couple of years, I've learned more about your routine imprisoning you than I could possibly imagine because writing a book, doing a book tour, traveling for, you know, network marketing, for speaking for different events, for all this other stuff, like, especially if you are, you, I pride myself in living and dying by my routine. Well, I was dying because I was out of my routine. Mm. So I wasn't enjoying these dreams that were happening. I was getting to speak on these stages I'd always dreamt of. I was, you know, getting to go on this amazing book tour and finally write a book and all these things I should be proud of. And it was like, I was living and buying, dying by my routine because I was so rigid. And one of the things that totally broke me out of it was I went to Europe for literally like 30 days, like traveling around Europe. Um, last year. And it was one of the most impactful, empowering things that I've ever done because I truly took it on as like a, you got to figure this out or you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life because all your dreams require breaking your routine. So those are the things we don't think of, like as we're dreaming and as we're building like things that we think we want to be building, we're going, oh, this is actually taking me away from the thing that I thought made me happy. But could the thing that makes me happy actually be you know, is it supposed to be permanent or was it something that got me to the next routine or the next level? Oh, that's so good. So good. And um, so listen, I just want to thank you for, <laughs> you know, we've spoken, I think maybe a couple events mm-hmm. together, like the same stage, but I didn't dive into your world mm. until recently. <laughs> and welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it was so refreshing because like you are like so unexpected, you mm. know, like your story and of itself, and also just your your character with the way that you present yourself, the gifts that you give, mm-hmm. um, the time and energy that you invest into the things that you do, it's really inspiring for me. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to thank you for that and for being awesome. Oh my God. Well, thank you. And I just have to tell you real quick, I, I remember hearing you for the first time on Lewis's podcast and I was running down uh, Ocean Avenue. So now you live here. So now, you know, like right down the street. And I just remember being like, this human is so freaking amazing. And I started following you and you gave me so much life for such a great period of time through like a dream building phase for me. So, so awesome to be here right now. Like oh a mile away from my home. That's so powerful. <laughs> oh, I got the t- the chills. Oh, thank you so much. So final question, what is the model that you're here to set for other people with how you live your life personally? <laughs> oh, what just came to me is just walking permission. Like your permission mm. is going to look so different than everybody else's and you got to give it to yourself first and I have to give it to me first and hopefully... By me giving it to me, I give it to you. And by you giving it to yourself, you give it to the people around you. Like it's, I think it's the most powerful thing we can do is just give yourself the permission to give yourself what you need and be fully you and just 
model what that would look like every day if you gave yourself permission to be the person that you knew you were. Mm, permission slip. I mm-hmm. love it. I got thrown off asking you the question. I saw your ring. I was like, Chris loves you. He loves you. <laughs> this is our 10th anniversary. Like we traded yeah. in the first one for got this that one. upgrade. Yeah. Ooh, my wife's not listening. Um, so can you let everybody know where they can find your awesome podcast, mm-hmm. your book, and where they can connect with you online? Um, yes. Thank you so much for this, by the way. This has been amazing. Um, podcast is Earn Your Happy. Um, and that's earnyourhappy.com. The book is A Tribe Called Bliss, and you can just get that on Amazon. And everything else, social handles, all that stuff is just my name. Sweet. We'll put all that in the show notes. Thank you for coming to hang out with me. Thank you so much. Awesome, awesome. Everybody, thank you for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. I took notes myself (laughs) during this episode. I love this statement. Motivations have an expiration date. Mm -hmm. And so just realizing that the thing that is motivating you right now might not be the thing that's going to get you to that next level. That just goes back and it's kind of threaded throughout this episode is having the audacity to change and to pivot and to adjust and to get into that discomfort a little bit. However, whatever is motivating you and getting you going, whether it's listening to this podcast right now, stay with it, stick with it if it's bringing you life. But also know that at some point you might need to pivot and to dive into something else, a new motivation. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's you know a work opportunity. Maybe it's a project. Maybe it's uh, a charitable thing. I don't know what it might be that's motivating you, but just understand motivations have an expiration date and to keep on finding new pieces of motivation. And also, comeback rate. <laughs> ah, I love this so much. How do we get there? Well, number one, it's just a practice. You know, it's being attentive to those moments when you do start to run off the rails and also understand, she said something really powerful, giving yourself permission. You have permission to have pissosity and to be upset and to cry and to be frustrated, to be angry. All of those things are part of you because they're valuable. They're valuable feedback for us. None of our emotions are wrong. But when you can monitor those things that you don't enjoy feeling and you can start to change that conversation, your comeback rate can become higher and faster by you practicing getting out of that, out of your story and changing that story in the moment. It takes work, but I'm really a testament to saying my comeback rate is pretty high now. I used to, man, just thinking about when I was working on changing my own health and well-being is when I started to realize how impatient I was. I grew up in a very volatile environment and my mom would say something and then she would yell something. Like you've got like 0.7 seconds to respond or she's yelling. Like it's constant upsetness taking place in the environment. And so I didn't know that I picked that up and I was employing that with my kids, you know, when they were younger and I didn't even realize it. And so now I'm definitely most likely the most patient parent that they have. And no disrespect, baby. I'm again, like in the ring, like we're going to talk about it. Um, But just understand that, you know, it's a practice and it's something that does bring me more peace. I have more of the kind of joyful, peaceful feelings that we all kind of uh, strive for. But I'm also well aware that pain is ever looming. Things are going to happen in life, in our lives. And just working to be prepared is putting ourselves in the discomfort and getting stronger. All right, because that's what, what we're really here for, as Larry talked about. So definitely check her out. Check out her book, A Tribe Called Bliss. Check out her podcast. And we've got some epic stuff coming your way. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. 
And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.